right, I wish I could say happy Friday. Nothing really happy about it, is it? Uh, We all watched more than 170 businesses damaged, looted, dozens and dozens of fires last night, Minnesota. Uh, You just heard in that open, that was the governor of Minnesota, Tim Waltz, saying, and I never thought I'd see this, that they don't even defend the actual precinct of a police department that went up in flames last night also, um, that's got to stop. We, there, you've got to, con- you've got to restore order. And it is, it is sad to watch all of this unfold. It's so unnecessary. And we got a lot to talk about today that we are expecting also the general Flynn Kisliak transcripts. Uh, I've gotten the down low on them already. And, uh, it seems like general Flynn didn't lie at all. At any time. And by the way, what he told Strzok and the other FBI special agent when they ambushed him on the orders of McCabe and Comey, I sent them, uh, that, uh, yeah, I remember talking to him. I don't remember the the specifics of the call. Well, is our goal here to get an admission? Logan Act admission. Okay, nobody's ever been prosecuted on the Logan Act. Uh, Are we going to try and... uh, you know, get him to lie so we can prosecute him or fire him. Unbelievable. So we'll have more light on it. And the bottom line is General Flynn looks like been telling the truth the whole time. Um, back to what is what it was unfolding before our very eyes last night. I'll start with this, though. The former Minneapolis police officer has now his name is Derek Chauvin, has been arrested, taken into custody for his role in the death of George Floyd. A fired Minneapolis police officer has been arrested now just days after the fatal arrest that sparked the protest, the rioting, the outcry across the city and the nation. Um, And uh, as I look at the charges here, now, again, today's the 29th. This is this happened on the 25th. This is four days. They've been fired. You never see a firing happen that quickly in any Police department, they have their, quote, reviews, their processes, etc. The thing that makes this case very, very unique is the amount of tape, the, the length of the tape that we have with the different angles, including store video footage, uh, watching all of this unfold. And what we see in the tape at no time shows any resistance of any kind. And what we see is for this extended eight plus minutes of time, the officer with his his knee on the neck, pushing down and compressing Mr. Floyd's head into the into the cement, into the ground, into the, you know, uh, right into the ground. There's no other way to put it. Anyway, so they have now just announced the commissioner for Minnesota Public Safety that he's been taken into custody in connection with this incident. Former police officer in the video. It is now we believe that he's going to be charged with third degree, I believe, manslaughter. Uh, I'm sorry, what, Linda? Uh, let's listen. We just got the audio tape in. We have looked very closely at all statutes. This is what we've charged now. Investigation is ongoing. We have more discussions to do with our experts. Um, this is the same charges that we made when we charged former Minneapolis police officer Mohammed Noor. The exact same third degree charge and manslaughter charge. 
Mohammed Noor was a very difficult case. We didn't have the kind of videotape we need. And we didn't, and, and there was all sorts of other evidence that took us a long time. We do our level best to charge each case when we have the evidence to do it. But we cannot, and I will not allow us to charge a case until it's ready. This case is now ready, and we have charged it. All right, that, again, that was the uh, Hennepin County uh, attorney, Mike Freeman, making the announcement of the rest. The charge is third-degree murder, a manslaughter in the death of George Floyd. If you want the distinction, again, there's some variation of this, but generally speaking, first-degree murder would require intent and premeditation. Second-degree murder would require, again, proving to a jury beyond any reasonable doubt, only intent Third-degree murder uh, would require reckless or negligent behavior. And again, the specifics do vary somewhat between varying uh, jurisdictions, etc. Um, president has been outspoken on this. Everybody else has been outspoken on this. The one thing that makes this case unique is I don't see, I don't see this as a political party issue. This is not conservative liberal. This is not Republican and Democrat. This is not a long, there's no racial divide that I am seeing or hearing from, I'm sure the keyboard warriors all over social media that psychos in their basement with their underwear on, I, you know, I can't speak for them because I don't read what they say. But there is pretty much universal agreement based on the video that we've seen and we've been talking about at length all week. The attorney general released a statement uh, earlier today the video images of the incident that ended with the death of Mr. Floyd while in custody of Minneapolis police officers was were harrowing to watch and deeply disturbing. The state prosecutor has been in the process of determining whether any criminal charges are appropriate under the state law. And on a separate and parallel track, the Department of Justice, by the way, this based on what the president said very early right after this all happened, uh, he demanded and ordered an expedited investigation by the Department of Justice, the FBI, the Civil Rights Division. They're all on it. But back to Barr's statement on a separate parallel track, the Department of Justice, including the FBI, are conducting an independent investigation to determine whether any federal civil rights laws were violated. Both state and federal officers are working diligently, collaboratively to ensure that any available evidence relevant to these decisions is obtained as quickly as possible under our system of justice. Charging decisions must be and will be based on the law and facts. This process is proceeding quickly, as is the typical practice. The state's charging decisions will be made first. I am confident justice will be served. Pretty strong statement from the Attorney General of the United States as to where this now is all heading. Now, I don't know, I don't understand... It makes no sense what we're all seeing and hearing last night. I'm going to, we'll go to this, this cut is uh, cut nine. And I just want to tell y'all, this is strike three. It's already happened. The first time it should have happened. The second time it should have happened. The third time it's out. Now we go into Thomas house and we going to choke that too. We go all up. Matter of fact, we got a two for one rule, nigga. One of ours, two of yours. Innocent motherfucking time. Because y'all don't want none. There's more of us than you, What's up? 
Exactly. We coming for y'all. This is only the beginning, mother. What's up? Huh? Exactly. We speechless. Cause next time, this is your mother house out there in Oakville. You, you don't live here, but we coming to your house right now. Don't up my face. That, of course, some of the sounds from last night. I never thought I'd watch him witness a a police precinct overtaken like this. The guard had already been called up. They already had, supposedly they had had and were prepared for potential protests last night. And the fear was was palpable that they might, what happened the night before might happen again. But if you look at now what's happened, more than 170 businesses now damaged, looted, dozens destroyed by fire. Um, I'm watching this all unfold and I'm like, where are the police? Why are they not out there? Now, again, there's not a divide. There's kind of universal belief. They don't or disbelief even, but it's real of what happened here. But if if I took the time to tell you all of the names of all of the stores that were, you know, either broken into or looted or had their windows smashed or set ablaze, it would take, you know, a good part of this hour to get through it all. You know, 142, you know, people, by the way, you know, from Wednesday night uh, now taken into custody. Hundred and you know seventy businesses now property damaged, looted, destroyed. You know now thirty businesses looted. You know two dozen fire damaged. You know others destroyed by damage completely. And I I did not like what I was watching and witnessing last night before our very eyes. Now the president said he's warning the governor get this under control or I, I, I will handle it for you. Now why would the president say something like that? because for the safety and security of the people that live there every single every single time that there is a an incident like this the entire community is put at risk now we I'm telling you watching these cases over the years I'll give you a quick history because we have pretty much nailed every case early and there's a reason why you know if you go to, if you go back to Ferguson and by the way, we have remarks from Barack Obama, not particularly helpful. We'll delve into that later. But, you know, remember Trayvon. Early on in that case, I got a tip that there was an eyewitness that was going to put Trayvon on top of George Zimmerman. That happened in that case. Uh, everybody had basically guilty. Remember Cambridge police with Obama? The same thing there. Remember the incident in 2014? Hands up, don't shoot. Remember the Michael Brown incident? Remember what happened to Officer Darren Wilson? Well, we were ahead of the curve there, too, because we actually did our job and we investigated and we had numerous multiple confirmed sources that there were many people in the neighborhood that saw the entire encounter and that Officer Darren Wilson's version of events ended up being right, that Michael Brown charged at him. First tape that came out, hands up, don't, don't you? The media, they run with it. They're wrong all the time. Remember Freddie Gray, Baltimore, back when, the, when that happened. Uh, very early on, remember, you have an African-American mayor, attorney, prosecuting the case. They raised expectations so high 
And I said from the get-go, you're not going to get one guilty verdict here. Why? Because of my sources on the ground at the time. And what, what I knew would ultimately be coming out. And sometimes you're allowed to go with what you're told. Sometimes you just have to hint at it. Um, and I always try to be as honest as I can. This case... I've gone over the whole neck thing. I'm not going to repeat myself because you see it with your own eyes. And I think Dan Bongino captured this very well when he said, okay, now just stand back. You know, I love when the president ends his rallies. We're one glorious nation under God. We are one great united American family. We're not always united on politics, but we're all Americans. I believe my faith teaches me that we're all created by one God. I believe that with all my heart, mind, body, and soul. And imagine that's your kid, and that's your your kid's neck with that knee on it for eight-plus minutes. The amount of force that involved in that. And when you really watch the video to the very end, it gets even more chilling. Because that's when they literally, like, he's out, cold, probably not alive. And they they move his head. They literally have to lift this guy's neck and turn it and and literally huddle it under their arms to get the guy on the gurney. We shouldn't be watching that because once a suspect, this is a $20 counterfeit potential charge here. Okay. Once they're, once they are in custody and they're handcuffed, the fight's over. And then all they're not resisting. The fight is over. That's why it shouldn't have happened. All right, as we roll along, 800-941-SEAN, you want to be a part of this uh, program today. I wish I could say happy Friday. It's, it's not. You can't be happy when you see a, a great city in this country going through what we are witnessing now. You can't. Um, I don't understand at all what the hell went on last night, and the governor has now spoken out about this. And the president has now spoken out about this for the safety and the security of people and their entire lives and souls have gone into the businesses they build. You, you, you can't allow this to happen and not stop it. And the fact that it had happened the night before and there was every indication that it was going to happen last night or could potentially happen and they didn't step in. I don't get and, and the idea among some, we all, look, for the vast majority, this tape in many ways shocks the conscience. It really does. But it's universal. There's no divide here or none that I'm seeing. But the idea, and now the, the officer's been arrested and charged. And this is going to move forward pretty pretty quickly, in my humble opinion. And you're going to see this move about as quickly as possible in large part because for what i said the first day you know you always believe in the presumption of innocence you always believe um innocence until proven guilty but that doesn't take away what our eyes showed us for eight plus minutes all right 25 now to the top of the hour 800 sean if you want to be a part of the program um my sources today telling me that the flynn kisliak um, 
the the call that was surveilled and then of course unmasked and then of course leaking raw intelligence apparently the the big headline that is coming out of this now is that uh general flynn told the truth when struck and the other special agent with remember the ambush and they go in and after mccabe says oh you don't need a lawyer and comey bragging i sent them in I took advantage of the chaos, something I'd never do or get away with in any other administration. And I sent them in, and there's usually a procedure. And that is like you care about somebody's constitutional rights and civil liberties. 49 separate requests. Now, nobody was paying attention this week because it happened on Wednesday night's edition of Hannity. And that is that we had a DOJ spokesperson on, Kerry Kupik. And Kerry told us that, yeah, they have found so many unmaskings that it's so disturbing that now they have made the decision. They are now expanding their investigation into all the unmaskings of who and where. Now, uh, we know Trey Gowdy and Devin Nunes have also talked about the Trump family being unmasked. Now, why would Obama administration people unmask them? We're told there might be people... Uh, that have opposing political views or friendly to the president that might have, too, been unmasked. We know there was nearly a 300% increase as we headed into the 2016 election in unmaskings. Why would Samantha Power ever do it? Clapper, and you've got, let's see, uh, oh, Joe Biden himself, the forgetful one. The day after he said, I don't know anything about it, he requested eight days before they left the White House. And we have Sally H. shocked that Obama himself knew about the contents of the call between General Flynn and Kislyak. Anyway, we're going to get an update with uh, Greg Jarrett and John Solomon. Uh, but back to our top story today, you know, what was just a, a horrific scene unfolding last night in Minneapolis. And in spite of the firings, and now we have the arrest of this former Minneapolis police officer. Remember, this happened on Monday. And the officer now has been arrested and charged with third-degree murder and manslaughter. Uh, That was, you know, I think in large part, the reason that this decision was made so quickly is because of the eight minutes of videotape that we all watched. And every police friend I have, everyone in law enforcement I know, They've all told me the same thing. They've never seen anything like this. This is not what they are trained to do at all. And the bottom line, the rule is that, okay, if somebody's not resisting, we didn't see any resistance of Mr. Floyd. And if somebody is handcuffed, this is over. He get, that person gets put in the back of a police car. You don't keep your knee on their neck of all places. The most sensitive part of the human anatomy uh, for that long a period of time. And when you watch the end of the video, Linda, I don't know if you've ever watched the whole thing and gone right to the end. I have. And it is chilling when you have, I don't, they actually look, they don't look like paramedics even. They had bulletproof vests on. And that kind of surprised me. I don't know what, what that. No, I think, I think you make a good point. There's officers that were clearly standing around and it didn't seem that anybody was intervening or saying, Hey, like, I think you're good. I don't think we need to do this any longer. Maybe stand them up, you know, and I think that's one of the things that a lot of people are very upset about is that you've got, you know, other officers standing there four in total and they, you know, they well, may be found culpable. There's another image. Did you see the image that came out last night from the other side of the street? Yeah. 
And at one point, there's three officers down on their knees and, you know, on pretty much on top of the guy. It's just wrong. It's just wrong. I mean, it, it is that it is wrong. But and I'll tell it, you, the just, one contradiction I find in the riots that I'm curious if anybody's going to bring up is that when people were peacefully protesting about wanting to get back to work and following, you know, safety precautions, they were told that they were out of line for safely, you know, protesting. And then you have people out there blowing up, you know, police stations and setting them on fire and looting their own communities during a pandemic. And it's like, well, you know, that's it's not that it's, you know, condoned, but there seems to be a different standard. And I'm like, you know, peaceful- well, you know, I got criticized. Yeah. You know, I don't think there's anybody on air radio TV that I can think of with now a 25 year track record on Fox News, 31 years in radio that is that is as pro law enforcement as I am and pro Second Amendment as I am. Um, I think, you know, well, no, that's not true. I think I've read because once a year, the one of the New York tabloids, I think usually the Daily News will write an article about, you know, who in New York City has a legal uh, carry permit. Um, Very difficult to get. You don't get it unless you have a legitimate reason. I have one. Imus had one. Stern had one. Donald Trump had one. Donald Trump Jr. had one. And you get the same names pretty much every year. It's like they're shaming you that you believe in the Second Amendment. And I did say at the time, and Mike Huckabee had a better line than I did. It said it much better than I did when he said, just because you have the right doesn't mean you should. And when I saw these guys dressed in militia and tactical gear, you know, and and they're, you know, what looks like they're long rifles or ARs with them. Okay, I don't want you to lose your Second Amendment rights. He I will defend your Second Amendment rights, but it doesn't mean it was the right thing to do because my argument is you're not going to be heard. No, I agree and with you. It gives the wrong impression. You know, optics are everything. But my whole point is just well, that you, everybody should be peacefully protesting, you know, because we don't want to lose our message in the violence. We want to come out and say this is wrong. We are unified. If, we and have people, solidarity. And people, again, you, you, can, you have a right to carry all the years. And I've had carry permits in Rhode Island, California. Alabama, uh, and in New York. Very hard to get them in some of these states, but I got them. I had legitimate reasons, um, and I've carried all of my adult life, but you don't see it. You know, my I, I tried never to let my kids really see it. I can't, if I let them know I had it, so, you know, and taught them gun safety, but it's also locked up. The second that I get in the house in a fingerprint safe, uh, right next to my bed. Which is, I, you know, I'm a, I believe in responsible gun ownership. Because otherwise, once you inflame, that, that immediately puts everybody's guard up. And right. again, if you're carrying concealed, you're not putting, you're not scaring everybody, but you still have the right to protect yourself. God forbid something ever happens to anybody anywhere. But my it's point just, is what you're saying exactly. So people I got, went. I to, got slammed for that. But you were right, though, because people went to these protests where we want to reopen Pennsylvania. We want to reopen New Jersey. We want to reopen our state so that people can feed their kids and pay their mortgage because they're not viable applicants that can get all of this PPP and the assistance. And they're not getting the stimulus check. So they well, need to work. That was the 99 percent of right. people and that were out there. And, this and is their the message thing. is not going to get heard and when the, you got a, exactly. you know, 15 or 20 people in, in tactical gear with and, their AR-15s. And so my I, 
analogy is 100% when we have this horrible situation where we are unified on the aggressive use of force and how terrible this whole thing is, you know, the message should not be lost in people that are coming in and looting their own neighborhoods and vandalizing their own stores and banks. This is not what we need. It's like we need to be solidarity, peaceful protests, and the media needs to respond the same way across the board. Um, Great points. Everybody needs to uh, listen. We lost 170 businesses last night. We, so we, sad. We, I'm watching this, and I never thought I'd see it in my in this country. Now, this first degree murder charge, manslaughter charge, third degree murder requires reckless or negligent behavior. First degree has intent and premeditation. Second, and again, when they charge people, you got to remember too when you're charging them. You have a standard, ultimately, that you're going to have to meet that will convince a jury, hopefully fair and impartial, not like Roger Stone's jury, um, beyond a reasonable doubt. You have to convince 12 people. Secondary murder means intent. Did that officer intend to kill that person? That's That's a very high bar to prove in a court of law. Defense attorneys, they're really good. Third degree murder, which he was charged with, is reckless or negligent behavior. Well, that's where the argument will come in on the and the tape will be evidence uh, A through Z. And I believe that thing will be played fast. It will be played slow. It will be still stored. It will be put all over the place in every imaginable way. I read earlier the comments of the attorney general Barr. Uh, this one officer now has been arrested. Remember the president's comments immediately, very quickly, uh, put out at my request, the FBI, the Department of Justice are already well into an investigation as to the very sad and the very tragic death in Minnesota of George Floyd. I have asked for this investigation to be expedited and greatly appreciate all the work done by local law enforcement, local feds, Attorney General Barr said they're working together. My heart goes out to George's family and friends, and justice will be served. That's the president of the United States. Now, there are other other tweets that were went out there today. And, of course, you have the media just you know, trying to jump on anything, any word that Donald Trump says. I think the president was very clear. Justice has got to be served here and move, move fast. Anyway, he says looting leads to sh- shooting. And that's why a man was shot and killed in Minneapolis on Wednesday night. Or look at what happened in Louisville. Seven people shot. I don't want this to happen. And that's what the expression put out last night means. Now, what they're referring to is that, quote, he said, these thugs are dishonoring the memory of George Floyd. I won't let that happen. Just spoke to the governor, Tim Waltz, told him that the military is with him all the way. Any difficulty, we will assume control. But when the looting starts... The shooting starts. Well, the president is basically saying that's what's been happening. Get control of this. And he said, I can't stand back and watch this happen to a great American city, Minneapolis. A total lack of leadership, either very weak, radical left mayor, get the get his act together and bring the city under control. Or I'm going to send in the National Guard and get the job done right. That's what he was saying. And that's what he said. Looting leads to shooting. And, you know, look, look at how many lives are in danger now as these nights continue to unfold. It is it is it's shock. It is so sad and self-destructive. I don't think you're ever going to see a system of justice ever work this fast. 
You're saying, but Hannity, look at the video. I'm saying I'm looking at the video. Uh, but I'm telling you, to fire a, a civil servant, uh, it, it is usually a bureaucratic nightmare. And when you don't have, and this is where I think videos are a great thing. I've been saying for years, I want cops with cameras on them. It's good for them, and it's good for everybody else. And if we have the camera, and you have the video, and you have the audio, there is far less room for lying that goes on, or, or whatever differences might have. So um, we don't want this uh, repeat tonight. Um, I don't know what the prosecutor had been saying when he originally said uh, Mike Freeman. And, you know, he, at one point he said, and, and there is other evidence that does not support a criminal charge. We need to weigh through all of that evidence to come through with a meaningful determination. We're doing our best, the, the best of our ability. Then they clarified the county attorney Freeman was saying that it's critical to review all of the evidence because at the time of the trial, invariably, all of that information will be used. OK, and he said evidence not favorable to our case needs to be carefully examined to understand the full picture of what actually happened. Now, the attorney's office says the review of evidence happens in every case. The statement does not indicate in any way, you know, the horror of what we're seeing. I'm not sure what the hell the guy's talking about, to be perfectly frank with you. Uh, we'll get to this later with Leo Terrell and Larry Elder. Uh, Obama's weighed in. And, you know, if you think back, uh, let's see, 2015, I believe he was the president. Yeah, that's when what happened in Baltimore and Trayvon, uh, you know, that could be me or, you know, someone like my son. You know, he had a he had an attorney general that, you know, said we're a nation of cowards when it comes to race. Hands up, don't shoot. Yeah, that one happened in 20, 2014. That never happened. And the reason that everyone in the media was wrong and we were right, just like Cambridge police, just like Duke lacrosse, just like UVA, and that we were right on all these cases because we did our due diligence. Now, in this particular case, considering the length of time, the varying shots of video available, I can't see I, I, I'm 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 looking as fairly and as objectively as I can. Um, and our, our eyes don't lie to us in this case. And you can't dispel common sense applied to a specific video. I don't believe in trial by video. Eight plus minutes is an awful long time. And um, I'm just trying to you can try to understand this. It's very hard. But anyway, the cop has now been arrested. He's now been charged with manslaughter and third-degree murder. Um, George Floyd and the cops, apparently, they knew, they knew each other from some club they might have both worked at. Those details, I'm sure, will be coming out over time. Amy Klobuchar, well, she passed, by the way. She, you know, in the running to be Joe Biden's running mate, found herself under fire for not prosecuting years ago. This police officer videotaped kneeling on on Mr. Floyd this week, and uh, now she's under huge fire over this. We'll have more of those details coming up. Also going to get you an update as it relates um, to uh, General Flynn and the Kislyak call with John Solomon and Greg Jarrett at the top of the next hour. All right, and Leo Terrell and Larry Elder coming up. All right, hour two, glad you're with us. Toll free, it is 800-941-SEAN. If you want to be a part of the program, and in just a few minutes, we'll update you uh, we expect the Kislyak, General Flynn, um, transcripts to finally come out. Uh, and I'm going to go over this with John Solomon and Greg Jarrett in just a second. 
you know, it's it's very, very interesting that, and I just saw that media, I put this up, you know, in spite of what 170 buildings now impacted by the rioting and the looting and those that set many of these, two dozen of these buildings ablaze, uh, apparently over there at the Conspiracy Channel Network, MSDNC, they had a reporter there, Ali, I don't even know the person, that Belshi? Belshi, okay, assuring viewers Thursday evening that the uprising was, quote, not generally unruly, and he was reporting it while a building behind him was up in flames. Quote, there are at least four fires I can see, and that's just in this small radius, he said, before referring to the fire behind him. Obviously, some are very active. This one is very obviously spread to the buildings on either side of it. Uh, the liquor store and the shop to the left. Then he added, the National Guard has been activated. They're not here. By the way, they should have been. The police are not here. They should have been there, too. The police have been evacuated. The fire engines can't get in here. There's no ability to bring anybody in here to solve this problem. So I want to be clear in how I characterize this. This is mostly a protest. It is not, generally speaking, unruly. Okay, then you have an anchor, Craig Melvin. Suggesting on Twitter that the network will be will be referring to the unrest as protesting rather than rioting. Now, just joining us, the police officer that put his knee on the neck of George Floyd has now been charged with third degree murder and manslaughter. I read earlier the comments of the president. I read earlier the comments of the attorney general. I reminded you of the president uh, putting the FBI Department of Justice Civil Rights Division uh they were well into their investigation and that, in fact, he wanted it expedited. His heart goes out to George's family and friends. Justice will be served. Um, moving quite quickly. That is four days uh, that we now know this happened. Um, so we expect finally the release. I've been hearing rumors all day uh, as it relates to the General Flynn Kislyak, you know, his soon to be counterpart call um calls plural that that had taken place by the way even susan rice samantha powers said now when recently re, uh, released uh testimony before the house intelligence committee that both of them talked to their counterparts prior to them working for the obama administration and then remember this whole issue of well what's our goal is our goal an admission is our goal to get him to lie so we can prosecute him or get him fired remember that um, anyway, so Catherine Herridge just tweeted out a reminder, and that is that that what it was that the special counsel had put out there in terms of what the charges were against General Flynn. There's one big problem with these charges here, and they go through a timeline that neither struck nor page, I'm sorry, struck nor the other special agent that interviewed General Flynn on January 24th, thought he was lying. Neither one of them thought that. Got to remember that point. Now, we could even take it a step further just to remind you, because this is very important, knowing the truth, understanding the truth. You know, aside from telling us that the agents who interviewed Flynn didn't think he was lying, Comey himself told us he didn't really know if he lied at all, said it was a close call. Anyway, so my source is telling me that, in fact, these transcripts, they've now been transmitted to Congress after the uh, DNI declassification. I assume that would be uh, 
the new director, Ratcliffe, and my source is telling me that it's pretty much what General Flynn said. Greg Jarrett, Fox News legal analyst, author of two best-selling books on this topic, Russia Hoax, Witch Hunt, John Solomon, Fox News contributor, investigative reporter, and he is the editor-in-chief of JustTheNews.com. All right, let's start with what both of you are hearing. John, we'll start on the reporter side. Yep, so for sure, uh, five transcripts of uh, calls were transmitted this afternoon to Senators Johnson, uh, Homeland Security, Senator uh, uh, Graham, Senate Judiciary, and Marco Rubio, Senate Intelligence Committee Chairman. Uh, the transcripts themselves have not yet been released, but my sources tell me that they show there was extraordinarily minimal discussion going on between Flynn and Russian Ambassador Sergei Kislyak about sanctions. It mostly focused on the expulsion of diplomats and not needing to respond right away. No substantive discussion about sanctions or what would come ahead or after. Uh, these will be very eye-opening to everybody who reads them, because remember, uh, Mueller got Flynn to plead to something that may not actually be reflected in the transcripts. Now, Greg Jarrett, from the legal standpoint, it was a good reminder, I think, of our former colleague, our friend Catherine Herridge, who's now at CBS, uh, putting out there the charges against General Flynn because they said that he willfully, knowingly made materially false, fictitious, fraudulent statements and representations in a matter within the jurisdiction of the executive branch of the government of the United States, to wit the defendant falsely stated and represented to agents of the FBI. Right. But we now know that's not what happened. We know what the FBI agents really thought. And that means that Mueller now, to me, is now culpable. He needs to be brought in. Oh, absolutely. These transcripts are going to demonstrate what a horrible miscarriage of justice this was. And Flynn was the victim. There's a reason why these transcripts have been hidden for three years. That's because Mueller and his team of partisans, as well as Comey's FBI, Peter Strzok, Joe Pienka, Lisa Page, Andrew McCabe, they didn't want people to see that, in fact, there was almost no discussion or minimal discussion of sanctions. Which, and that's important. It means that when Pienka and Strzok, uh, at the behest of Comey and McCabe, went in to interview Flynn, they had no grounds to do so. They were citing a Logan Act, but I bet you when we see the transcripts, there will be nothing in there that would have constituted a Logan Act violation, which means that Flynn was simply set up and framed as we've suspected all along. You know, once this case is dismissed, and it will be dismissed, Flynn should turn around and sue not just Mueller and the lawyers involved, but the FBI as well. And frankly, He ought to sue his prior lawyers, who he fired, lawyers at Burlington and Covington uh, Covington and Burling, because they should never have recommended that he accept a guilty plea. They were conflicted, and they didn't step aside from the case when they should have. Your take, John Solomon. I don't think I could say it much better than that. I mean, uh, Greg really captures all the issues. Imagine pleading to a crime without ever seeing the transcripts to make sure that what the FBI is telling you is true. Remember, Flynn has never had these transcripts, and of course, neither has the American public. And today, John Radcliffe and, and Rick Grinnell made it possible for all of us to make our own judgment for the first time. I assume these will be released in the next hour or two by the senators. And uh, we'll get to see really what the conversation was. Keep in mind all of the intent issues around Flynn. 
when Flynn talked to Andy McCabe, when Andy McCabe said, I'm sending a couple guys over to talk to him, he said, I got nothing to hide. You already have the transcripts, so you, you already know. So Flynn assumed the FBI had the transcripts. Uh, and then when the agents came back, they didn't feel like Flynn was being deceptive or dishonest, and that includes Pete Strzok himself. They wrote in their notes they didn't find any deception that it was possible. He just simply didn't remember such passing references to things like expulsions. So uh, the well, that's idea the that one thing. That, that's the one glimpse. It's crazy. The, the one glimpse we got into the original 302, right? What did we learn there? Uh, well, we, 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 they, they did not believe uh, that he was uh, being dishonest. In fact, at one point, Flynn said, it's possible. The 302 quoted Flynn as saying, it's possible I might have had something. I just don't remember it. So he was trying to be honest. He wasn't trying to lie. He'd open, he kept open the possibility that maybe there was a brief discussion about it. The idea that that constitutes a willful and intentional lie uh, I think when people look at these transcripts today, they're going to get a sense of just how thin this whole charade was. Mm-hmm. You know, Greg, I, I look at all of this, and now we know Papadopoulos, that there was nothing there in exculpatory evidence withheld. Now right. we know that, uh, you know, we watched the, the process crimes and the pre-dawn raids for Manafort, Roger Stone, uh, uh, you know, 29 guys, tactical gear, CNN cameras, uh, lying to Congress. I mean, it's ridiculous. Uh, now we know the Manafort case, this never should have come up because that case was dead had they not manufactured this whole Russia collusion conspiracy theory uh, while ignoring Hillary's dirty dossier. And now we know in the case of General Flynn, probably now, and by the way, Stone doesn't get a fair and impartial jury. Uh, the jury four person hates Roger Stone, stated it publicly before the trial. Um, if that's not a cause for a new trial, I don't know what is. Now you see General Flynn and you see this corruption and this abuse of power. What I've been saying, the biggest corruption, abuse of power scandal in history. Now it looks like General Flynn was a massive victim in all of this. He was. And in fact, all of the people, including uh, President Donald Trump, were victimized by this. You know, there's a document that came out in the last 10 days that very few people have paid attention to except for John Solomon. Uh, and Kevin Brock, former uh, assistant director of the FBI for intelligence. And I wrote about it in my column today. That document was the opening document, the electronic communication that launched the entire Trump-Russia collusion investigation, January 31st, 2016. When you look at that document, it, it does not justify the opening of a probe. There's no crime cited. There's no evidence in support of it. They did it because they didn't like Trump, and so without uh, justification, they opened a probe, and it took a life of its own because the people behind it at the FBI and intelligence community hated Trump, and they were determined to sabotage him. That is what that communication proves. Last exit question for both of you, and... A hat tip to both of you. You both have worked so hard on this case, and we've all been vindicated here, and the mob and the media, they've all been, they've now been shown to be the biggest liars ever in the media. I mean, it is, it is spectacular in their group think Trump psychosis. Do you believe now, John Solomon, more than ever, that people will be held accountable? Because I do, especially with the announcement of the DOJ on, on my show two nights ago, that this whole unmasking thing is is now being looked at at levels we never dreamed of. 
Yeah, I, listen, I think there's going to be some minor uh, prosecutions. Uh, I want to say minor. could be serious prosecutions, but of a handful of people. I think there'll be disciplinary action against other people, and then I think there'll be a lot of public shaming, and that shaming may start next week when we get Rod Rosenstein on the stand in Congress, and he has to explain how he signed a bad FISA and then pointed to a special prosecutor for a crime that had already been disproven. That, that's the process that we're going to follow. I think it's going to be a little bit in each of those three buckets. All right. Thank you all for your good. By the way, one last thing. Maybe the Washington Post, the New York Times should give back. What do they get? Pulitzer Prizes for their phony Russia uh, reporting? Uh, if I'm not mistaken, John, I think they did, right? Yeah, I think they got one. I think one of them involved that, that reporting. But uh, yeah. we need to move forward and get the truth out. That's the most important thing. Well, maybe they should give it back. How's that? <laughs> maybe you should get it. Maybe Greg should get it. Yeah. I certainly don't deserve it. I won't take it. Can you imagine that, though? Heads would explode. You'd see everybody in the mob. Their heads would turn around in circles, and they'd projectile vomit green, something, green pea soup. Be pretty well, anyone who wants to see good reporting ought to read Greg's books, because he had it right before anyone else. I mean, those books are... Well, you, uh, listen, records. March 2017 is yeah. when you started the surveillance, unmasking, leaking raw intelligence investigation, and you never stop, right. both of you. All right, thank you. Such a this is this is the thanks you get after 33 years of serving your country, including and in war zones. Unbelievable. Uh, back to our top star. I still can't get over the, the. I cannot believe with 170 buildings now impacted, windows busted, two dozen fires set, uh, looting, robbing, all the damage and destruction. Now, by the way, and to update you, well, this officer has been arrested, charged with third-degree murder. I've given the distinctions of what that is, and it's very clear. Now that the president's weighed in, now that the attorney general has weighed in, we now know, now justice is served. Four days later, it's very hard to fire somebody. But the video is that overwhelming in terms of what, what was done here was obviously so over the top. And justice is going to be served now. How does it help anybody at all when there's universal agreement on this? There's no disagreement. This isn't, you know, R versus D, liberal versus conservative. I, I, I only hear, again, putting aside keyboard, keyboard warriors in their underwear in their basements, um, there's universal condemnation. There's no identity politics here at all. This is everybody looking at it saying, okay, if that was my son or daughter, Wow. You would be outraged. This is a fellow American human being. Can't happen here. So, um, you know, the fact that there are those that will politicize it, Obama, et cetera, it just, it's mind-numbing. Sad, sadly predictable. Uh, we'll have a lot more on this in our, net, our, our final hour free-for-all. We'll get to your calls next, 800-941-SEAN. Then it's Leo uh, Terrell and Larry Elder. Hannity at 9. Set your DVR. We have a big show tonight. All right, 25 till the top of the hour. Uh, Larry Elder, Leo Terrell uh, coming up at the top of the hour to debate uh, this issue. Uh, what's going on in, in Minnesota? How, I mean, how does this city rebuild when 170 businesses damaged, looted, and, and dozens of fires started and, and buildings burning down, including the police precinct? How do you get there? Anyway, 800-941-SEAN. Uh, a lot of you have been uh, waiting to get in. We'll check in with Ron is in Savannah in Georgia. Ron, welcome to the show. I prefer to say happy Friday, but there's not a lot of happy Friday today. Not a lot of happy Friday. 
Yes, sir. I appreciate you taking my call. So really quickly, um, I just want to let you know, uh, law enforcement retired out of the internal affairs unit. So I have policed the police. I know how serious it is. But one thing, one point I want to make to you and your listeners is, is this one officer does not represent law enforcement. And I want to say this, that there are hundreds of thousands of other officers that would have given up their life for Mr. Floyd, not even knowing his name or anything about him. All of those officers every day go to work knowing that they might have to do the ultimate sacrifice for people that they don't even know. And for the people that are listening, if you see an officer next to you, just know that he or she may have a family and that they're willing to risk their life. The other thing I want to say really quickly. I I want to emphasize something here because this this is very important. And I know when people are, you know, get into a mindset and and for example, Mike Tobin on the ground last night on Hannity, you know, reporting there was a lot more drinking going on last night. And, you know, this isn't about a protest for a lot of people there. For some, it might be. For some, I'm sure it is. For most, maybe even. But for the people that would use what has happened here in spite of universal condemnation of this videotape by everybody, this this cross this does not cross universally everybody, every background, every political orientation, every racial orientation. It doesn't matter. There's universal condemnation of this and a quick call to justice. I told you what the attorney general said earlier today, for example. And you're right. That is what you said is true, that there are officers that would be willing to step in at a moment's notice for anybody to save their lives. A hundred percent true. This does not represent the vast majority of officers that have a very dangerous job that protect and serve. It has to be said. That's called perspective. Yes, Sean, and I'd like to add, I'd even like to ask, I've noticed that there's a lot of talks uh, from chiefs of police condemning this, I would go so far as to ask the chiefs and the sheriffs of this country that the same respect that they give a fellow fallen officer by sending an officer to that community to represent themselves and show respect to this officer, I would like those chiefs and those chi- sheriffs to possibly you mean, think about you, that, you mean to the you mean to Mr. Floyd. I would like to see, yes, I would like to see all of the officers across this nation stand in respect to Mr. Floyd and attend his funeral, just as if they would a fallen brother. I, you know, it, it, symbolism, gestures, you, you, you look, it's like when anybody that you love, care about dies. It's You never have the right words. You know that there's nothing you're going to say that's going to take their pain away, uh, but you're there for them. I think that's a great idea. I think that is that would be a powerful message. Um, it has, yeah. It, I'm sorry, sir. It, it has been such a rough time in this country, and I have I've seen a lot. I've witnessed a lot personally, and it needs to be done. The country needs to see that law enforcement is a caring profession. It's a it's it's a brotherhood, no doubt, but we are there to serve and protect. And we truly, we, we are in pain over this loss. Um, and the only way that it could ever be demonstrated is possibly by showing up and showing our respects. And we, we pray to God that this never happens again. Um, nobody deserves this. There are no words that can explain this away. And I appreciate your time today, sir.
I appreciate your time and your service uh, all the years. How many years did you serve as a cop? 26, sir. I was uh, I was involved in uh, patrol. I was narcotics. I was training. I was an instructor. And I finished out on top. And I was in the internal affairs unit. And for me, that was the, uh, the greatest responsibility I had. Uh, and I appreciate it. And I... I love what I did. I loved serving, and I would have personally given up my life to protect anybody that I didn't even know. It would it would have meant the world to me, knowing that I did the best that I could. And there are hundreds of thousands of officers that share that same feeling. There's a bit, very important book. It once says, "No greater love hath any man than to lay down his life for his friends." Every cop I know. They, they, uh, most of them, they wanted to be cops since, since they were babies. They just, they, they, this is what they were called to do with their lives. It's like teachers. So great teachers. I mean, you, you can never, ever possibly compensate them. Um, I know we pay athletes huge amounts of money. I know we, we play, pay stupid people on c- cable TV, lots of money. To be honest, uh, teachers, cops, firemen, nurses, Doctors, the medical uh, professionals, EMT guys, firemen. You know what? You know, we notice at certain times how great they are. And when one goes bad, we forget all the good that they did. All those cops, all those firemen that knew they might die on 9-11 is, is probably the most, uh, I guess, dramatic example of this. They're going up and everyone's racing the hell down to get out of there and they're going up to save lives this is this is who they are this defines their greatness and we are lucky we're honored to have most of those people that are great dedicated professionals protecting and serving the the communities they're working in or the cities that they're working in and uh we we do remember at times but we don't remember at other times and then when an incident like this you know, there sometimes is a tendency to say, well, everybody's like, no, not everybody is like that. We know better than that. But it does a lot of damage for all those people that are dedicated, like you, Ron, that put your life on the line for 20, what, seven years uh, in service to the pe- great people of Savannah. Anyway, sir, yes, thank sir. you for what you do. Uh, John, Wisconsin. John, you're on the Sean Hannity Show. Glad you're with us. Thank you, sir. Uh, first of all, I got to say, I'm only been listening to you for a couple of years. Um, and I'm glad I found you and, uh, I watch your show at night as well. And my stepson just graduated last year, the police Academy. And we were talking at length about it on, um, how things, uh, how takedowns work. And I'm also a huge MMA fan. Well, by the way, you should probably go on Joe Rogan's show once. It'd be probably a hoot. <laughs> I don't think he's ever, Linda, is he ever, everyone invites us. If I went on everybody else's show, I wouldn't have time to focus on my show. It would be interesting to to hear an, an, well, an interview Joe with you Rogan, and Joe. I gotta yeah. say, and he's Joe Rogan is a huge MMA freak too. So, uh, no, no. Listen, I, I I'm only heard <laughs> great things about him. I don't have time to listen to other shows. So, but I know friends of mine are are fans of him. People like him, and I hear. I, what do you know? Is he libertarian? I think he's libertarian. He actually he? was a supporter yeah. of Barney. And then he kind of like peeled off of that a little bit. I think he's an equal opportunity guy, you know, like whoever's yeah. in the mix. 
Yep, Bernie? Okay. You can't, you're not an equal opportunity guy if you go that hard. But life. seriously, if your choice is Bernie life. or Biden, you know, not for nothing, I think I'd go with Bernie too because Biden doesn't know what day it is. Uh, <laughs> I, I say none of the above. I go for option A, which I'm is. I'm with Trump. you, MAGA, MAGA. I'm just saying. There you go. Then there's no other option. Let's not discuss any other option. Yes. Sir. Um, Anyway, well, listen. I appreciate. Uh, so, I'll t- so your son came out of the academy. What what did he say as it relates to his training and okay. people's necks? I'd like to know that. Okay, the neck is untouchable. Uh, it's now a shin on the shoulder blades in the back. That's it. And once they're detained, that's it. They're done. They're off. And they they he, he trained at Cleveland, Wisconsin, at LTC Academy, and. They are really good and proficient and non-necessary force. They're really training the the students a lot differently up here in Wisconsin. Well, listen, I I will tell you this. There is a a training issue. It's something, look, I'm not going to get into it. Every time I talk about my martial arts, oh, you think you're an expert. No, I'm a student. I am a student of of martial arts. You know, uh, my sensei, Linda, you know, when Glenn and I are together, it's like we're two children. I mean, we're constantly, yeah. you, you know, doing moves on each other I, all the I, time. I step out of the room. I don't want to get hurt. <laughs> you don't have you to got, step you out guys of the room. Are You're protected. Maniacs. You're very well. But I'm a student of the arts, and you learn a lot. One of the things we have discussed for many years at length is he trains a lot of police officers for free. Now, my sensei happen, also happens to have a law degree, but this is his passion in life. He really loves what he does, and in many ways, it's transformed my life, and it's hard. It's not, there's nothing easy yeah. about doing this an hour, hour and a half a day. I mean, Sean, every time you talk about it, you always say the same thing. You always say, I've been studying mixed martial arts. I have been practicing. I'm a student. You never, you've never said, I'm a master. I'm not, I'm, I'm not an expert. I, I mean, Glenn I, doesn't even say that. You know what? Glenn That's always says true. he's learning. He always says he's learning. He, he goes around the world to, to these, you know, these dojos that are in these remote places of the world and i'll tell you what he does he learns and he also fights i mean they have full contact fighting i mean he's listen he he loves this you've seen what pain day is like because we've demonstrated it to you one of the things one of the things he does is that and this is why the neck is is it is such a sensitive area the most sensitive in the body and for self-defense purposes, the strikes I've learned, um, if your life is on the line, one of those strikes that we practice almost daily goes right to, it's sort of like, how do I say this? You could take like the hard part of the back of your hand and throw it and whip it and pull it all the way through. You don't stop on contact. And it would be literally on the side of either side of the neck into the jaw. That's a that is a targeted strike. That one strike, if you do it well, and there are videos online, I don't want to put them up because if I do, then people are going to be, you know, critical of what I'm putting up. But if you want to, if you're interested, you can see what happens because it'll knock you right on your ass. One strike, right place on the carotid, you're going down. And that's one that's one split second of the blood being cut off to your brain that's it and then if you i've seen videos people go down they try to get up they go down again one strike 
All right, we got about uh, minute 30. Jill, Oklahoma City, uh, you're on the Sean Hannity Show. Jill, glad you called. Thanks for taking my call. So as I have been considering all of the things about George Floyd and trying to figure out how it is that I, what my opinion is, a thing that occurred to me that I feel like kind of simplifies or maybe that makes things more complicated, I'm not sure which, but the most important thing is is there's one thing that, that we all have in common, which is humanity. We are all human beings. And unless and until people start treating people nicely or stop hurting people, this and a lot of other things will not stop. As long as there is us versus them, regardless of who the us is, regardless of who the them it, it are, it, it will not, this will not stop. But you know what, Jill? In this case, there's no disagreement. There's no political. There's not one party that agrees, one party that disagrees. Uh, I don't see I, I don't see a racial divide on this in terms of the outrage and indignation of what people saw here. Uh, the president couldn't have been any more clear. The attorney general couldn't be any more clear. The officers were fired. And, and it's usually hard to fire a police officer uh, in record time. And now the fired officer has been arrested for the death of George Floyd. Um, and I, I and in large part. I would say that video evidence, it will now keep the 1% hopefully more honest because we don't ever want injustice. It's like Barry Sheck, the Innocence Project. How many people were on death row? And then we get new DNA capabilities. They go back, they rediscover, open up the case, cold case. Oh, the guy was innocent. We got to get these things right. Anyway, appreciate the call. I just want to tell y'all... This is strike three. It's already happened. The first time, it should have happened. The second time, it should have happened. The third time, it's out. Now we go into Calvin's house, and we're going to choke that too. We're going to f*** all up. Matter of fact, we got a two-for-one rule, One of ours, two of yours. Innocent motherfucking time. Because y'all don't want none. There's more of us than you, What's up? Exactly. We're coming for y'all niggas. This is only the beginning, mother What's up? Huh? Exactly. You speechless, Because next time, this is your mother house out there in Oakville. You You don't live here. But we're coming to your house right now, Don't f*** out my face. Precinct is on fire, and right here, Minnehaha Liquor is on fire as well. People are shooting off fireworks to celebrate. There are still tons of people out here hollering. Last night, I got a call. From a friend and a dedicated public servant, Senator Torres Ray called in her district, and it was on fire. And there weren't any police there, there weren't any firefighters, there was no social control, and her constituents were locked in their house wondering what they were going to do. That is an abject failure that cannot happen. We must restore that order to that. Senator Torres Ray has fought her whole life on these issues of inequities and making sure that people's voices are lifted up. 
But what she understands is none of us can lift those voices. None of us can tackle these problems if anarchy reigns on the street. In terms of the business owners in this area, they're they're devastated. Some of them. We talked to a man yesterday who uh, put his life savings into a sports bar that was about to open up. And, you know, he canceled his insurance a few weeks ago with the the pandemic because obviously no business so he was trying to save money and now his his business has been destroyed there was looting there yesterday in fact we have video of two people in broad daylight trying to steal his safe uh and so that is an example of someone a business owner in this area a relatively young guy probably in his uh mid-30s who had put his life savings into this sports bar and now it's been destroyed so uh, you have a mix of emotions here. All right. There it is. The uh, tragedy that keeps unfolding. And, you know, you look at, for example, what happened last night. The governor, you heard in the middle of that, uh, you you can't let this happen. You can't allow riots to take over uh, the entire city, which in large part we all watched in horror unfolding last night. Um, and it left behind a trail of burned out, looted buildings, smashed windows, uh, stores devastated. Much of the damage centering around the area of the 3rd Precinct, uh, Minneapolis Police Precinct on Lake Street. And if you look at where the damage is, it's all over the place. I mean, we're looking at one, one location after another. Uh, here to uh, help shed light on this and where is this ultimately heading? You heard the other guy say, oh, this is a two for one. Hey, one of ours, two of yours. Um, I mean, it sounds like outright, you know, a, a cry to arms and war. Uh, yet we have not had any disagreement that I've heard about what we see on that tape, except from the one prosecutor who I'm not really understanding from there. Uh, we bring back Larry Elder radio host, executive producer. Uh, he has an upcoming documentary he'll tell us about. Also, Leo Terrell, American civil rights attorney. Leo, I'll start with you. You've heard my comments at length about these. You know how I feel, and you know how I also feel about, okay, you, you cannot destroy your city and put everyone in that city in jeopardy, and they are moving you know, heaven and earth at the FBI and Department of Justice at the president's order to get justice as soon as possible uh sean i want to tell you right now the last two days i've been watching your program i'm proud of you i agree with everything you have said the last two days on this subject Uh, i will do anything you want on this issue because there's no question there's a universal acceptance that these officers did wrong but i am not going to sit here and i have tremendous credibility as a civil rights attorney we usually disagree but i am embarrassed by the looting and the rioting and what is going on and the pretext that those people out there are upset with the killing. No, they're, they're criminals. They're outright criminals. I'm also embarrassed by the, by the Democrats who will talk about the tragedy of the killing, but will give lip service to, to the outright criminal conduct that is going on, not just in Minnesota, everywhere. I am not going to be part of that crowd. I am going to be lockstep with you and Larry on this issue. And what makes it more embarrassing for the Democrats? We live, Larry and I live in California. It's a Democratic blue state. If we got so much police corruption, I mean, police corruption, we'll do something. You're in charge of the government. 
You're in charge of the police department. It's a deep blue state here in California, Minnesota, same thing. And the thing that makes it so amazing is I would submit to you that 99% of everyone out there who's rioting and protesting, they don't vote. They don't get involved in the process. You cannot criticize legal illegal misconduct by conducting illegal misconduct. So in, in summary, let me just be very clear. I hope those who are opposed to you on all those issues, I hope you're listening to Leo Terrell on your program today. Because all the Democrats, all the politicians who play this double game, they're wrong. They're absolutely wrong. They should be out there speaking right now on stopping this criminal behavior of looting and rioting. Let me bring in Larry Elder. Uh, you know what, Larry? Uh, Stan Bongino, who first said it on, on, I think it was television, and maybe yesterday on the radio show, imagine that as your son or daughter with, with that knee on that neck for that long a period of time. I, 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 it's shocking. But on the other hand, I'm listening to Leo. The only thing I'm slight disagreement with Leo is he does not have to be embarrassed. He's not a part of this. He is he's calling for calm as you are, as I am. But let's not destroy this city and destroy businesses already hurt. Your thoughts? Well, Sean, as I sit here and I listen to Leo, my jaw is on the floor. Somebody has red-peeled this man. Uh, in 1992, Sean, there was a riot here in Los Angeles. Almost a week long, six days, 63 people killed. Uh, almost 3,000, 2,500 people are so injured. 12,000 arrested. Damages at least a billion. Some people say two billion. And my friend Leo referred to that riot as a, quote, spring disturbance, end of quote. So I'm happy, Leo, that you've evolved and now you realize that when people trash a neighborhood, especially when they don't live there, property values are lowered, uh, income is lowered indefinitely, and these cities never recover. It doesn't help if you refer to rioters as spring disturbers. Maxine Waters recalled it, called it a rebellion, and Leo Terrell used the very same language that Maxine Waters did in the early 90s. So, Leo, I'm happy you've been red-pilled. I don't know what happened, but thank goodness that common sense has somehow intruded its way into Leo Terrell's brain, and this is a good thing. By the way, you can find Leo at the Leo Terrell on uh, Twitter. Um, I'm looking at what is an unmitigated disaster for an American city, you know, as if we have not had enough pain, enough suffering, uh, businesses have not struggled enough during this entire pandemic. Now we're trying to come out on the other end of this, reopen the country. I can't think of anything more devastating. If I started reading Leo Terrell, all of the businesses that have had damage, all the ones that were put ablaze last night. I would spend the next hour of this program doing that. You are absolutely right. And, and, and these rioters and criminals, were they, they picked on minority businesses, white businesses, people of all different colors. I've been watching it throughout the last 48 hours. And it, it's just, what's the logic? A license to steal base and, and to exploit the tragedy of a, of a black man being murdered and to use that as a pretext? This is a total destruction in the time of a pandemic, in a time where blacks are disproportionately being uh, uh, ill, killed, murdered, ill by the pandemic, and, and yet they're exploiting this current situation. It's just inexcusable. And what we need to have 
if this dialogue of these politicians and these political pundits, I don't want to mention those inferior, I'm saying inferior other cable networks that put on a spin on this issue and talk about the tragedy, tragedy of the murder of George Floyd, which we all agree, but give total lip service to the criminal conduct that is going on. This got to stop. Sean? Yeah. Again, jaw on the floor. Uh, Leo Terrell is one of those who has been for years promoting the notion that blacks are... Larry, on this issue, I'm in agreement. I'm in agreement. I didn't interrupt you. Leo has been one of those arguing that blacks have been terrorized by a systemic, institutional, structurally racist police department in our country, when the evidence shows the opposite. According to the CDC... Police killings against blacks have declined 75% over the last 45 years, while police shootings against whites have flatlined. It is extremely unusual for the police to kill anybody, let alone a black person, let alone an unarmed black person. Uh, in a recent year, the police have killed more unarmed whites than unarmed blacks. I bet you most of the people in your audience couldn't name an unarmed white person. Why? Because the media cares about unarmed blacks, couldn't give a rip about unarmed whites, because it doesn't advance their theory that racism remains a major problem in America. The real problem in this, in this country, far and away in the black community, is the absence of fathers, the absence of fathers, the absence of fathers. That's one of the reasons you know, young black boys challenge the police so often when they do that. They don't have a proper respect for authority. They don't know how to deal with authority because they don't have it in their homes. Sean, let me just give this. I want to give a 30-second response. Cause see, Larry wants to pick a fight on issues that represent, that's not address this issue here. So he needs to argue. So let me just respond. I've been doing police misconduct. This is why this is shocking. I've been doing police misconduct for 25 years. Sorry, Larry. Margaret Mitchell, homeless woman, shot and killed by police. Uh, Dwayne Nelson, hogtie. Those were cases that I've handled in Los Angeles. Los Angeles. Those were African-Americans who died at the hand of the police. You can do the research. So you and I will continue the difference on things that have happened in the past. You want to argue about that? That's another day, another time. But on this particular issue, you're, you can lift your jaw up because I have an agreement with Sean Hannity. I'm in agreement with you on this issue. We'll pick our other battles later. But today, I support what you're saying, and I support Sean Hannity. Well, I'm, I'm happy about that. Le Larry, let's, 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 I, I think there's actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick, stick up for Leo here. I, I understand you guys, by the way, have a long history. We all do together, actually, and, and we're all really friendly uh, in spite of sometimes we do have strong political disagreements, I, I, I'm watching an American city burn. I'm watching an American city die before our eyes. We've seen this. Too, we've seen this movie before. We know how it ends. None of this is going to end well. What is what is different in this case, Larry, is that there is universal agreement about right. what happened here right. and what should not have happened. This man should be alive today. And Sean, not, not only is a universal agreement, the Fraternal Order of Police put out a statement saying this thing uh, never should have happened. You have a city that's got a reputation of being a city for progressives. Hubert Humphrey was mayor there in 1948, put in a civil rights uh, plank in the platform, caused the Dixiecrats to walk out. This is not Birmingham in the 50s. We're not talking about Bull Connor. We're talking about a 38-year-old Jewish uh, liberal Democrat mayor, a black-slash-Mexican-American police chief for crying out loud. What makes you think... Justice is not going to be served. So let's go out in the streets and riot for three days. It is outrageous. And what does the left always say? We need a police department, quote, that looks like the community. Well, you've got a black and Hispanic police chief, and you're still rioting. There is and, no and excuse that, for this. 
And All right, guys, exactly stay stay right there. Leo, stay there. Larry, Elder, Leo Terrell, 800-941-SEAN. Uh, we're going to hold these guys through the half-hour break, and we'll take your calls with them and for them. All right, 25 till the top of the hour. We watched in horror all last night as the burning, the looting, the property damage, the uh, and, and where were the cops? They burnt down the precinct. I mean, in all my life, I never thought I'd see that. And there was no defense there. And I, I understand people's right to protest peacefully, please. You know, the, these these stores that are being destroyed and looted and burned, they may never come back. We've seen that movie before. Also, we don't want that, especially as now people have been struggling. We're trying to get out of the struggle financially. Anyway, we continue with Leo Terrell uh, at the Leo Terrell on Twitter. Larry Elder has an upcoming uh, documentary he's going to be putting out, and he's going to give us a preview copy of it. Uh, Uncle Tom's Cabin is what it is called, and uh, much more. We're going to get to your calls for both of them in this segment, guys. I want to ask you both one thing. I uh, there's universal agreement on this. The president has acted swiftly. He tasked the Department of Justice, the Civil Rights Division, and the FBI to expedite this case specifically and early. They have a prosecutor in Minnesota, reported by CBS in Minnesota, local CBS. His name is Mike Freeman, and he's saying the uh, that there's other evidence here that, quote, does not support a criminal charge. He said that yesterday. His office then issues a clarification saying his comment was being misinterpreted. But the clarification really didn't clarify what did he mean by other evidence. Now, however, if the county attorney indeed has evidence that would change people's minds on this, why wouldn't he have released it immediately? Because what everybody's watching on TV, nobody likes. So and the exact words were, and there is other evidence that does not support a criminal charge. We need to weigh through all of that evidence to come through with a meaningful determination. And we're doing the best of our ability, he said. Larry Elder, you're a lawyer. Leo Terrell, you're a lawyer. Larry, what is he talking about? Two words, John. Dennis Nifong. You remember that DA? Oh, yeah. Uh, the Duke DA? Duke who, Lacrosse. Uh, publicly said that the, these uh, boys were guilty, I'm going to get you, and so-and-so. He got disbarred. A job of a prosecutor is to do justice, and this prosecutor has to get the evidence, and clearly there's stuff we don't, we don't know, and then determine what charges, if any, ought to be filed against these, uh, these, these four officers. In my opinion, I can't imagine uh, there are not being charges against the officers. Don't know what they are. Uh, I can't imagine all of them being equally culpable, but maybe they are. But the point is, a DA's job is to get the information, make sure he has a prosecutable case, and that he can win that case. And that is what this DA is doing. I think you're going to have a problem, Sean, when you fire four officers without one word of testimony being taken. Even bad officers are entitled to due process and are presumed to be innocent. And, mm -hmm. and I'm, in my opinion, there's going to be another lawsuit by these four officers arguing that their civil rights were violated. Leo. Very simple. First of all, I want to kudos, and I say very loud, kudos to President Trump getting the federal government involved immediately. Immediately. Great job. Secondly, uh, I think it's overwhelming evidence to establish probable cause for these officers, especially the one 
who knelt down on Mr. Floyd to be arrested and charged with at least involuntary manslaughter. And my understanding is that the person who did that officer has been arrested and taken into custody. So I think the, mm-hmm. the federal government and the state government with all their collective resources are moving as quickly as possible, negating those protesters to, ju- to make that statement, no justice, no peace. That statement does not apply here because there's been swift action. I agree with Larry. These officers, let's follow the law. Due process, they're entitled to. But there is no doubt about it. The officer, the main culprit, is arrested. He's going to be charged. And, I, and again, the federal and state government working together, they got overwhelming evidence and resources to charge not only the, the officer, the principal officer, but the other officers as well. Barack Obama waited. I want your reaction to his comments. Leo, I'll start with you. We have to remember that for millions of Americans being treated differently on account of race is tragically, painfully, maddeningly normal. Uh, Whether it's while dealing with the health care system, that's his system, uh, which never fulfilled one promise, by the way, or interacting with the criminal justice system or jogging down the street or just watching birds in a park, he wrote. And this shouldn't be normal in 2020 America. It can't be normal. I don't remember the years. When did Ferguson happen? When did Baltimore happen? Um, but uh, I'm listening to this. And, and Leo, what stands out in my mind is this, again, is universally condemned. This is not a this is I don't see a, a divide on race in this in any way. Don't pass out, Sean and Larry. That statement by Barack Obama is so wishy-washy. It is, as you said, it's universally accepted that this officer is wrong. But where's the, where's the section of his tweet that talks about the outlawful conduct of these criminals who are, who are looting and rioting? This is the problem, and this is why I know you guys are shocked, and I hope the country is shocked about my position. You have to talk about both sides. So that tweet by Barack Obama doesn't satisfy this civil rights attorney. Talk about the looting. Talk about the rioting. Tell those protesters to 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 protest lawfully, not unlawfully. Wow! Once again, once again, Sean, I I, I got to say, uh, I, I really hey, am on impressed point, Larry, with with the evolution hey, of, of Mr. of Mr. Terrell. Uh, on this Obama, issue, may, may I finish, please, and stop interrupting? Yeah, me? you can finish. You can finish. Oh, uh, yeah. Barack, Barack, Obama, Barack Obama said, if I had a son, he would look like Trayvon, fanning the flames. Barack Obama said in an address to the United Nations, and we have a place called Ferguson where we have our own problems. Oops, hands up, don't shoot, turned out to be a complete lie. This is a guy who said the Cambridge police acted stupidly. This is a guy who brought in Black Lives Matter and talked about racism in America's DNA. He hired Eric Holder as AG, who said when it comes to matters of race, America has been, quote, a nation of cowards. He goes to Ferguson, Eric Holder does, and says publicly, I'm not here just as AG, I'm here as a black man. That must have made the cop feel really good. That's why Obama has been wishy-washy on his tweet, Leo, because he's schizophrenic. He knows you know, you know, I'm, I'm not going to debate you on all the other issues. I'm focusing on this issue. You want to fight on everything else. You want to fight about 50 years of history. I'm talking, I agree with you and Sean on this issue. We'll battle on other issues later, but I'm focusing on Minnesota. Why don't you? Can you focus on letting me finish a statement, please? Yeah, yeah. You, your talking points, I've heard them for 25 years. All right. Let, guys, let's go to neutral corners here for a second. Let's go to some calls. Let's go to Alex in Miami. Alex, you're on the Sean Hannity Show with Leo Terrell, Larry Elder. Glad you called. I wish I could say happy Friday. There's nothing happy about it. 
I really wanted to talk to you. I love your show, and I appreciate everything, uh, the stance that you're taking about this situation. But I wanted to ask you, you know, when Colin Kaepernick was kneeling and everybody was saying <clears throat> it was about the flag, and he said it was about police brutality, do you agree with that now, or you still think there's not a problem with police brutality in America? I think that that flag that, that we honor is a flag of freedom, and so many have fought, bled, and died fighting under that flag for the freedom of everybody, every American. We're not a perfect nation because human beings are flawed. Uh, right. But we are a more perfect union, and the Civil Rights Act of 64, the Voting Rights Act of 65, uh, right. have we gotten perfect? Nope. We have a long no, way no, no. to go. I agree with all of those we have things, a long Tom, way to go. So the answer to I you agree. is I I stand to honor those that gave me that right to be at that football game and shed I their agree. blood and put their lives on the line for all of us fighting under that flag. I agree with you totally. I'm an American, too. I'm a fifth-generation American. My great-great-great-great-grandmother was born here. Um, I'm just saying that it's obvious that we have a problem with police brutality and to ignore it and to ignore it and say to change the narrative and say that a flag is more important than police brutality is not American, Sean. It's not American. Larry, is that you? Go ahead. Sean, no, we don't have a problem with police brutality. We have a problem oh. with individual officers who misbehave, and we ought to deal with them on a case-by-case -case basis. Is the officer yes, a police officer? If the officer is a police officer, then that is police brutality. Okay, that, that, is, that is one officer and the officers that sur surrounded him. You know, I, I, listen, brutality. I will tell you, I don't know the exact number, but I know a lot of police officers, and, and thank you for your call. I know a lot of them, Leo Terrell. And they are dedicated to protect and to serve. And many uh, police officers and police departments now ha are are you literally looking at a melting pot. And you have all of America represented if you're looking at this from the identity political lens. But they're all serving their communities. They're all. I don't think most cops get up, Larry, thinking, oh, I want to kill somebody today. Their jobs are dangerous. The me, most me, of them are great make, at what they do. Let me, let me make this point. And I've said this for the last 10 years, notwithstanding, uh, maybe Larry didn't hear this. And I may disagree with you on 2%, Sean. You use the word 99%. I've said over and over again, 97% of the officers in this country are great officers. They protect us overnight. I think there's 2 or 3% that are rotten to the core, and those 97 percent of good officers unfortunately protect those two or three percent as i mentioned i have family in law enforcement for the last 16 years so i know how important it is for them to protect us while we're asleep protecting our property so i understand the dynamics but i will say this for 25 years i have prosecuted police officers for unlawful conduct excessive force so it does happen let's be clear about that case by case systemic it depends on the officers in the department. But in this situation, which I'll use your word, Sean Hannity, universal acceptance that this was a bad officer involved in the death of a person. I agree with you and Larry Elder 100%. Let me ask Larry this question. Can I, can I respond, Sean? Yes, sir. Go ahead. This is very, very encouraging, and I hope we can stop this. Now. Why do you want to, why, why do you got to pat me on the back? Just focus on this may, issue. May, what may, is your may, end game? May I finish this statement, my, my child? Please, uh, just focus the, on this. The, the good news well, is this is a very serious subject. You can attack me later on. Attack me later on. 
But let's maybe, talk maybe, about maybe this. We can, maybe we can now stop, stop this rhetoric about institutional racism. You mentioned oh, Sean. Sean. Larry Elder's talking point. All right, Larry, let let, let Larry finish his thought. Larry. All right, please allow me to finish a point. Okay, yes, go, please. Uh, Baltimore, Freddie Gray dies. You have a black mayor, the the, uh, city council, 100% Democrats, majority black. The state attorney who brought the charges against the six officers, black. Three of the six officers, black. The judge before two of the officers tried their cases, black. The U.S. AG at the time, black. The president of the United States, black. And we're still talking about institutional racism. As Wanda Sykes said about Barack Obama when he got elected, how are you going to complain about the man when you are the man? So let's knock it off and deal with these kinds of things on a case-by-case basis, okay? Larry, I don't know what you're talking to. Okay, okay. Okay. All right. Okay, Larry. Let's get back to our phones. Thank you. Well, let's go to Los Angeles. We have Sean in Los Angeles, 30 years law enforcement. Uh, thank you for serving and protecting uh, Los Angeles. Sean, welcome to the program. You're on with Leo. You're on with Larry. Hello, Sean. Um, uh, long time uh, listener, first time caller. Um, as you said, um, I'm a 30 year law enforcement officer at the presently. I'm a field supervisor. I'm a sergeant. And uh, I made some uh, observations um, that. Uh, were really important to me on this video, the death of Mr. Floyd. Um, it was horribly tragic, and uh, I have an opinion on how I believe he died. Um, in the law enforcement community, uh, we all are very familiar, or at least all should be familiar, with uh, two phenomenons. Uh, one of them is positional asphyxia, which is due to uh, prolonged uh, prone restraint. And the second one, I'm sure you've heard before, is uh, excited delirium. Um, after watching the video, I actually personally believe that the officer's knee compressing on uh, Mr. Floyd's neck was not actually what killed him. It didn't look like, um, I, I don't believe that his carotid artery um, was closed, and I don't believe that his trachea was closed. And I would challenge you, Sean, to try this in your dojo. Um, go to a hard surface, have somebody handcuff you behind your back and uh, press their knee. Listen, Sean, I, only, well, only for the constraints of time. I'm, I'm not cutting you off for any other reason. I want to hear more. I, I believe what you're talking about, excited delirium. I've read an awful lot about it. I've talked to a lot of cops about it. I am telling you, uh, and I have talked to everybody I know, you just got to Google and look at martial arts, targeted strikes in that area. One strike, I will drop you to your knees, and when you get up, you will fall down again. That's that's one second. This is almost nine minutes. Full. It looks like full force knee on this guy's neck pinned to the pavement. You can't do that. No cop can justify that, regardless of of whether or not what you're suggesting is true. You cannot. Anyway, I've got to run for the constraints of time. Uh, Leo, thank you. Larry Elder, as always, thank you. And uh, we'll have you both back soon. Okay. thank you. Thank you. Pray for our cities. Pray for peace tonight. What a news week this has been. Um, there is, as 9 o'clock Eastern tonight, when we come up on air on Hannity, the curfew begins in Minneapolis. I suspect it's not going to start at 9 o'clock straight up. We're hoping that bad things don't happen again. Rudy Giuliani, Larry Elder and Leo Terrell, who we had on radio earlier, and Dan Bongino, Bernie Carrick, Lawrence Jones, Daryl Parks, Daryl Scott, the Reverend, and John Solomon and Geraldo. All you need to know, 9 Eastern, please set your DVR. Uh, it's been a rough week. Have, I hope you all have a great weekend. We'll see you tonight at 9 back here on Monday.